Hello and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is Monday, April 20th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am joined by two gentlemen today. So that is exciting news. And first of all, one of the sharpest baseball slash multiple sports, actually, and one of our key guys at DFS Coach Talk. Of course, I'm talking t- about Santino Cocon. How are you today, Santino? I'm doing good. Um, it's not too bad out weather-wise out here. It was snowing the other day in the Northeast. Yeah. I know Andrew was touching upon it last podcast, but the weather's clearing up. Hopefully, that's a sign of things to come and spring's coming. But uh, yeah, pretty good day. Nice afternoon. How about you guys? Doing great, man. I, you know, Texas. This is the the fun time of the year, really, to to live here because. When other people are still having some cold weather and some snow flurries, you know, we're, we're 78, 79 and sunny and just a uh, cool time of year before the, the furnace gets turned on in the summer. But, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And we're going to introduce here our two-time champion of our DFS Coach Talk Challenge that we're doing, uh, Simulation for basketball, we've also uh, added a little baseball and football in there. And, you know, everybody knows I'm not a huge fan of simulations, but we're doing it for fun and for practice. And it uh, creates a lot of discussion. And, you know, we, we go through, uh, you know, just uh, a contest to, to win some DFS Coach Talks, uh, Coach Talk swag. We got some really uh, cool gear and just something for a distraction as we're all fighting and scrapping through this uh, very interesting and challenging time. But uh, I felt like, wow, we've got a guy here that has swept our first two contests. He won the, uh, the challenge one. He crushes us in challenge two. This is between all our members, too. And now we're into challenge three, and he's he's right up there fighting again. So we thought, you know, we're going to get him on there, and Santino and I are going to do like uh, Tom Cruise in A, F- in a Few Good Men, and we're going to get to the truth here. We want to know how to do these sims. So no pressure, my man, but I am introducing here, if you're one of our members, you see him as S. Caldwell in the Detroit Lions uh, tag there on our uh, Discord, and then he flies the the badge of DFS Coach Talk when he's hammering all these contests on FanDuel and DraftKings, and it is Mr. Shane Caldwell. So welcome to the podcast, Shane. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great today. Yeah, it's actually uh, sunny in Michigan, and it's not freezing, so that's a that's a good thing. And uh, I appreciate you having me on there. On the podcast, uh, you and Santino do an excellent job, so I'm very excited to be on today. Well, it's it's all our honor to have you, and you know, I want to thank you for being a member and staying active. I know, you know, we we got off to a great start in uh, right before this COVID-19 thing, and a real solid group of our members have stayed active with us every day. Uh, you know, we froze all of our memberships, but, uh, you know, we still have tried to stay in communication, have contests, chit chat back and forth uh, and uh, stay involved. And we're 
we're uh, committed to learning and breaking down teams and strategies so that when uh, sports does click back in, uh, we're more prepared than anybody else in the industry to, to crush some DFS sports. So that is awesome. But why don't you tell us, Shane, a little bit about, uh, you know, how you became a member at, at DFS Coach Talk and uh, sort of what, you know, your experience has been so far, even though we only had three weeks of real lineups prior to the uh, COVID. But uh, just wanted to, you know, let our listeners know a little bit from someone that, you know, from the outside that came in. So would uh, we'd love if you share some of that with us. Yeah, I'm always researching different like providers and different uh, fantasy experts that I could follow on social media or YouTube and those type of things. And I came across Coach and started listening to some of his stuff and following some of his social media. And I was really impressed with uh, the way he approached it and the information he gave. Uh, so I really kind of followed them right up until the time he uh, you started your uh, coach talk and uh, immediately jumped into that and uh, really been impressed with the, the integrity of it, uh, how upfront he is with everything and how good the information is in terms of real life stuff mixed with experience and, and statistics and everything. So yeah, it's a, it's a good community to be a part of and I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to hopefully help contribute to it. That's fantastic, man. That, that is wonderful to hear and so rewarding because, you know, especially in these dog days when we're no sports, it, uh, you know, you have to stay motivated and keep pushing. But just hearing stuff like that is uh, just fantastic. So uh, thank you very much for, for that endorsement. And I and, uh, can't wait till we can get back and really provide the real lineups. That's for sure. So, well, let's let's touch on certainly the elephant in the room is why does everybody call you either the king or the robot or the cyborg? How have you been able to just obliterate the whole sim world of sports? Well, I think when the sim started, everyone kind of took it as kind of a joke. Like, what is the sim? Like you were talking about, you don't really take it that serious. Right. Um, I kind of looked at it as another way to improve in terms of lineup construction and uh, different approaches to DFS. Um, so I really look at it as like it was a real contest. And the objective is of a real contest is not only just to score a high score, but also to gain an edge on your opponents. Right. Uh, so I started looking at, you know, what I'm projecting is ownership, what I think is going to be chalk and started looking at the some of the other members lineups and other, uh, you know, random lineups. Who, what are people playing and start trying to figure out how I can pivot off some of the chalk, kind of gain an edge and looked at kind of the game theory aspect of it. Um, and uh, now there's even more statistics involved uh, with the way the simulations are set up uh, yeah. Where the earlier MBAs. You could, you know, you could, you could study the game logs and look for upside and those type of things, which is what right. I was doing early on and just already having a good knowledge of all the players and the upsides. And, and then uh, I would come up with different strategies based on what I thought would gain the most, the best edge, whether that would be a stars and scrub lineup or a balanced lineup for a certain night. I would try to go the opposite of what I think other people would do and uh, gain upside and get some low ownership. So in that regard, it's very similar to 
real DFS. Uh, it's just a little bit different. It's a little more randomness to it, but you can also uh, research it to uh, to gain an edge and make it a little bit less random. Yeah, and I, I certainly can see that. And, you know, I was also trying to do that a little bit more myself, you know, because I can't stand to lose at anything. I mean, I, I don't care what kind of contest it is. I want to win the damn thing. So uh, just the the nature of competition is, is always fun and trying to crack a code of, you know, how are they doing this? What's the best thing? And so I, I w- I'm with you. I, I felt like I started getting a better, better handle on it the way it was working, I even though I finished second, I finished, you know, I finished second nine times now. You talk about yeah. frustrating. But here's the thing. Didn't this whole situation change recently? I know our sim specialist, Andrew Hansen, sort of went over, you know, they they changed the look of it instead of the players' faces. It's the jerseys. It's just, it it's, seems like they've sort of jacked it up. And from what everybody was saying, they're, garnering the statistics differently now so do you know how that's working i would assume you do since you still are finishing strong here the last couple days yeah it's uh they're using the uh the efficiency rating for players from uh, number fire uh it's the n-e-r-d it stands for uh the number fire efficiency rating derivative Right. Uh, so they're using that. It's a good efficiency of a player on offense and defense. And then yeah. you can all. So that's the player power ranking that a lot of people are familiar with. And then they also have team team uh, matchup ranking. So I think they're either using the uh, the uh, derivative for that uh, for overall team uh, power or uh, just defensive matchup defensive efficiency. So they're factoring those thing in those things in, and then they're taking that player's rating and comparing them to uh, player profiles for 25 other players that are most similar statistically. Right. Um, and then from that, they're doing uh, randomly selecting games. And uh, from what I can gather, um, they're going to uh, select uh, higher rated game logs um, when they have a better matchup. So I think they're factoring in the matchup a little bit there as well. So you can mm. kind of attack matchups. Um, just like you do in the uh, normal DFS. Now, there's still some randomness. Um, we were kind of laughing and joking about how Damian Lillard had an 8.4 yeah. points or something. And then I keep bringing up the, you know, the joke of uh, JJ Redick is chalk. Uh, you know, I've had his, JJ two days in a row, and he had 50 some fantasy points both yeah. days. It's like his, uh, yeah, it's like his player comparison. He's getting uh, Kobe Bryant's game log or something oh like that. Oh, my I don't know. God. <laughs> it's crazy. So there's some randomness there. Uh, but J.J. Reddick's rated fairly high with some of those efficiency standards. But um, but you, you might have where uh, all of a sudden he goes on a losing streak now. You have that regression that we see in normal DFS. Uh, right. So that's, that's kind of the game that you play. Um, but I noticed that when I started uh, – doing better and and, uh, I started winning I noticed that everyone else started researching this stuff more and like you said the competition brings out the best of us that's (laughs) why I love it made everyone better because all of a sudden everyone started researching it and I'm starting to see them playing some of the same players I'm playing uh, which made it cool because you have a lot of knowledgeable yeah but then they changed the damn thing that's yeah, but I'm saying that even with the the change the people that uh, adapted to those stats quicker are, are gaining an edge, but now everyone is getting onto those stats. So it's getting even more challenging. 
uh, you know, to win the contest, which is which is exciting. But yeah, it's uh, if you look at it, though, I mean, you can really attack some of the matchups and you can look at some of the tendencies of players that may be rated high by this uh, these statistics that you wouldn't actually think. So those mm-hmm. might be some of the lower owned players, you know. So uh, and then some uh, that I was looking at the slate tonight that look like they're going to be chalk, but they could be traps just like we talk about in the regular DFS where there could be traps where everyone's on this certain player and he's going to be chalk, but it might be bad chalk. Uh, yeah. So the same thing applies in, in this. Um, yeah, there is some random uh, and some frustration with how random it is, but for the most part, you should be able to look at the statistics and, and tell a story and then uh, develop your game theory based on that. Wow. Well, you're a lot more patient than me because I get so frustrated with it because you know, I want it to be real. <laughs> yeah. And it's exactly. like, oh Lord. How about you, Santino? Why don't you chirp in with what you're? I know you haven't uh, been as stellar in these competitions as you would like. Uh, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. The I, I just I don't know how Skullwell does it or other people do it. These <laughs> these simulations are killing me. I officially. I know I didn't play yesterday. I was real annoyed with the uh, the Damian Lillard thing. I thought I had a, I thought I had a chance, and then he had 8.4. And then I was like, I don't know what to. I don't know what's going on with this simulations anymore. So I just I had to take a day off. But yeah, some of this is just it, it's that that really did it in for me. The 8.4 for Damian Lillard. I, he that that means he would have scored uh, three points, four assists. 18 turnovers I don't I don't know but he never had a game like that in his career so it was really I didn't know what to look for in that it was pretty much picking out of a hat at that point if if a Lillard can get 8.4 and JJ Reddick consistently gets 50s uh I was like I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here well you know sometimes when I'm squawking on there I'll, I'll put my guy up there with a blindfold shooting the darts like that's how I'm gonna pick him today <laughs> but uh no, I'll tell you, though, uh, Shane has some good points there, and I'm going to keep fighting and scrapping. I know that uh, I'm with you, Santino, in the sense that I just want the real thing back so bad. But, hey, you know, there's swag out there to be won. And I know uh, Shane's, uh, if he can somehow win this one, if you win three in a row, we're, we're going to retire your number and hang it in the Coach Talk rafters. But uh, he, uh, he's got the hoodie. The hat, the T-shirt, uh, I don't know what other stuff, but he's going now for the matching sweats on uh, pants to to match the hoodie. You'll be all set, dude. You're you're good for yeah. the for the season then. Well, now that I'm on top, everyone's looking to knock me off. So oh, I know. it's getting more and more competitive. Like I said, everyone's stepping their game up, doing more research and learning more about how the the simulation games are different than you know real life games. So. Yeah, so that it, it is kind of fun how every it's. It, I was joking it was Detroit versus everybody, which is kind of a model they have in Detroit, you know. And that that's exactly how it you know how it felt. It was pretty funny. Well, that you know, I just instead of putting his name anymore on Coach Talk when we're talking about these sim contests, I just put a crown, like you know he's the king. Yeah. So we've been trying to we've been trying to stack on the pressure and give him a few digs here and there to just make him try to get him off his game. So. We'll see if it works, man, because if you win this third one, we'll have you on again to talk about that. But uh, I think you got your work cut out for you because now everybody's like frosty about it. They're coming after you. And I'm actually glad for Shane. 
Uh, I, I'm rooting for you, buddy. I mean, you're a Detroit guy. You're a Detroit <laughs> fan. You have you have your lion shirt or sweatshirt on now. Yeah. Uh, when when real sports start, you don't really have much to, to talk about. <laughs> so I'm glad, you, I'm glad you got the Sims. Yeah, I can hey, some- <laughs> what, hey, what what do you mean? I got the I got the Super Bowl for the Lions. I got the NFL draft this week. I'm good to go, man. That's the that's the peak right there. You know, we got the yes. third pick. So in the off season, we don't lose any games. So I love it. I'm always drinking the blue Kool Aid up here. You know, so I like it. I'm a, I'm a, there's there's two different types of Lions fans. There's the uh, this the sour you know sad uh you know really upset lions fan which most of them are uh and then there's the lions optimist so i'm the i'm the i'm the rare lions optimist uh but i I follow i I admire when you follow a team win or lose it's just that's part of it you know that's awesome are you a full detroit fan fan? like uh, are you a tigers fan and a pistons fan red wings yep tigers yep yep Yep, I follow all the teams, mostly uh, Pistons and Tigers and Lions. Yep. Oh okay. gosh. Yeah. So I'm glad if, if someone's gonna win Sims and it's not me, I'm I'm glad uh, <laughs> yeah. to get some winning in there. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get some winning somewhere. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, you know you're gonna keep getting a hard time until we can knock you off that hill. So oh, we're, yeah. we'll Definitely. keep at it. But uh, I'll tell you, you had posted something in Discord yesterday uh, for our listeners. I think you got to check this out. It was hilarious. It was. Uh, it talks about Matt Millen and his tenure as the general manager of the Lions. Oh, my God. You talk yeah. about a shit show. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. That was one of my all-time favorite videos is that spoof. It was really a, a – it's a spoof <laughs> on uh, on Moneyball, and it would pretty much mirrored the exact trailer uh, for Moneyball, but it made it Millen Ball. <laughs> yeah. And that was just one of the funniest videos they made. It was pretty spot on, too. (laughs) It was. It was ridiculous, but it was actually pretty true of how Matt Millen ran things. So it was classic. Poor guy. Yeah, that's a rough one. That is a rough one. Well, that's awesome, man. We really appreciate you giving us a little bit of that secret sauce in in Sims. But I know you probably held a few nuggets back just to make sure you have the edge. I know you're – I can tell you're that smart for sure, but – no doubt about it. But great to have you on. And, you know, thank you again for, you know, being one of our foundational members when we first started here. And for just, you know, uh, all of us that are in there in Discord every day, just staying positive, encouraging each other, um, you know, making sure everybody's good to go. And we've had we had our one of our brothers, uh, Brenton, uh, up there in Portland, gotten a little uh fender bender actually a little more than a fender bender and broke his sternum and is laid up so uh shout out to him i hope you're feeling better and healing up uh we got to get everybody healthy i know Leighton had tweaked his back and he was laid up for a day or two so you know i don't know these injuries we got to get them out of the way so that when dfs comes around uh you know we're completely healthy and ready to go for sure but uh Good thing they're in the off-season injuries. They could get ready for the, the regular seasons. That's right. That's <laughs> right. No doubt about it. But uh, but fantastic. So uh, we're going to have uh, Shane stick around through the show. He's he's cool to do that when uh, we go through the, the uh, Mets and uh, the Nationals and do our regular breakdown. And, you know, for those, if in case you're just – 
tuning in. I know we're probably going to get our highest rated show because everybody wanted to know how the king uh, won all these sims. But if so, if it is one of the first ones you've tuned into, you know, we've made a strong commitment to spend this entire COVID time preparing and doing it in a way that we're not going to waste time with silly League of Legends stuff and all of those things that people are doing, uh, providers or are doing shows on, uh, you know, that stuff just, you know, it's not real for us. We want to be prepared. And at DFS Coach Talk, we focus on three sports because we want to be the best in those three sports. We're never going to be the the service that provides alpine skiing and cornhole <laughs> toss. Uh, but we're always we're going to do the NBA, Major League Baseball and the NFL, and we're going to do it better than anyone else. We're surrounding our team and our members just with the best. And I say that with not cockiness, but just the, the truth. That's what we're going out there to do. And we really firmly believe that. And that's why we attacked it this way. So we're doing these podcasts through this time frame. We already went through the NBA our whole strategy session, and then we broke two teams out per day. We're doing the same thing with baseball, and then we're going to go into football. And it would be fantastic if football got cut short because we went back to real sports. But, you know, we're, we don't know what that's going to be. I don't think anybody does. So we're just going to ride that through. So we've been doing a really good uh, breakdown of our baseball teams. Uh, Andy G's our, our head MLB guy, and he's uh, always posting information and things uh, preparation-wise for baseball. And, you know, it very well may be the first sport back. I was thinking it was going to be basketball, but to me it sounds like the possibility of this Arizona thing with everybody playing there seems to be getting a little bit of uh, momentum. So we will see. But, uh, again, today we're doing the Mets and Nationals. So, uh Mr. Santino, you have the Nationals. You want to get us off and running? Yeah. Uh, so before we even start, we've got to give a round of applause to the 2019 World Series champions. Yes. Congratulations. Didn't it was an amazing, amazing yeah. victory, too. Uh, they weren't even in the – they were – potential sellers at the deadline last year yeah. they decided to stand pat and then they made a big run in the second half where they got in the wild card and then they just won and kept winning and kept winning and then they got to game seven and anything happens in game seven and they, they took it from the astros which was, was pretty awesome um didn't see that one coming they lost their best player bryce harper before the preseason so most people didn't see that coming they got a new manager in dave roberts who no one knew really what to expect from him but he was definitely an upgrade over dusty and then yeah things happen and i'm congratulations for them uh actually the funny thing is the the last ballpark i was i've been to was national state park um was it last summer and it's a fantastic park. It was the first time I went there. I went there twice, actually, when I was in Washington for a week or so. Nice. Um, beautiful ballpark. You can see every part of the field from every part. I went all the way to the top, top, to the bleachers just to see how it looked, like a, a sky view type of thing. Uh, not the bleachers, top, top, like triple deck. Uh, it looked yeah. beautiful. I, I looked throughout the bleachers. I walked around. But, yeah, a very good stadium uh, right in the heart of the city. So pretty good things. Um, very nice. Uh, has, has any of you guys ever been there, I wonder? No, I haven't. 
I have not. Uh, definitely one of the places I want to go to, though. But no, I've I've never been to a Nationals game, so that's that's pretty bizarre. I will shock you though. I've been to a Montreal Expos game in Ooh. Montreal that's before a good they were the Nationals. <laughs> that's a good one. How about and that? Very funny. We're doing the the Mets Nats today, and uh, the the game that I went to when I, I went back to back days. Second day I went by myself. My girlfriend was doing something. And I was like, you know what? I don't have anything to do today. I'm just gonna go to a ball game. Um, but yeah, I went to see when I went to see them. It was Mets Nats. So it was wow. pretty, it, pretty interesting that we're doing both teams. And uh, don't forget, uh, don't forget who the Nationals uh, beat in the uh, uh, World Series. Yep. You hear that tapping sound? <laughs> yeah, they beat the Astros. Game yeah. seven. It was it, that was Cheaters. a really good game. Funny yeah, thing, beat, they beat the Cheaters, so that's a big deal. Yeah. I think five of the last seven World Series have gone to Game Seven, I believe, uh, or and really? three of the last four. Uh, I remember I was looking at it the other day. I was like, wow, I I knew there was a lot. There was uh the Royals and <clears throat> the Royals and the the Giants. The Dodgers were there a couple times. Uh, the Cubs, Indians, and then I was like, oh, I didn't. And then when I thought about it more, I was like, oh, that does make sense. It's one of the few sports that you got so many Game 7s over the last uh, half decade or so. If, but, you, if you uh, if you want a World Series winning pitcher, just call uh, my team, the Detroit Tigers, and they will help you out with that. <laughs> Pretty yeah, I'll much. I'll tell you, the, the, the Tigers, if you, look, if you formulated their rotation that they let go from Scherzer on down, it is amazing. It's it's got to be heartbreaking as a as a fan of of the Tigers, but it's okay. I mean they at least they know how to draft I guess. Uh, well, yeah. Last year, uh, they had three people in the World Series. They had Anibal Sanchez, who was a former Tiger, yep. Scherzer, Verlander, and that you're right. There's there's a lot of people out there. No, it's like every year the World Series champion. Yeah, it's uh, the Tigers' uh, former rotation is right up there <laughs> winning. It's, it's crazy. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> But as uh, as far as DFS wise, the the Nationals, uh, they're they're they have pretty they have a pretty good uh, roster lineup to or people to target on your lineup, and they have obviously the three big pitchers. Um, the big offseason move, they lost again their best player on the team. It's going to be a big blow to their lineup. Anthony Rendon's now in on the Angels. Um, yeah. A year ago they lost Harper, now they lost Rendon. I know they they won the World Series without Harper. I can't see it happening again without Rendon this time. He was there. He led the team in home runs, RBIs, pretty much OBP, pretty much every major category. He was hitting in the heart of the lineup. Now yeah. you lose that big bat. Everything's going to change around a little bit. Um, they're going to lead off. I'm assuming they're going to lead off Victor Robles. Start him right there. Uh, former number one prospect. Very good power speed guy. Yeah. Uh, he didn't put it together last year in his rookie season, but I think a, bi- a big improvement is going to come this year. I'm not actively going to go target him in DFS, but in the right matchups, especially when he can use his speed, he's a guy that I'll look at because he is going to lead off. Uh, he's not going to be batting ninth behind the pitcher anymore. He's going to actually he's going to get more at bats in that leadoff role. He's a really good defender, so you don't have to worry about him coming out. And again, yeah, he was a he was the number one prospect last year coming into the season and the year before that. So he does have tantalizing upside if he can reach it and that's another reason why they were able to let Bryce Harper go two years ago because they had the outfield of Soto and Robles leading it off and um yeah he's a guy that I'll look down he's he's locked down for the long haul because he's he's still in pre-arbitration and um he's only 23 years old so he's a guy who's definitely someone to target but in the right matchups 
Number I'll two. I'll tell you, though, he's – sorry to interrupt that. No, no. Robles is such a nice uh, – I mean, we're always desperate in DFS MLB looking for the guy with pop and speed because there's nothing better than getting a homer and a couple of steals. And there's not that many guys really that, that fall in that category. It's – they're either, you know, uh, power or speed generally most of the time anymore, but – He's a guy, I think, as, as being such a youngster, they could really be a real DFS uh, sweetheart just because of that ability, you know, getting on base, scoring runs, stealing bases, having some pop. You know, I, I think he's going to be a good option down the road, uh, even this season, really. Yeah, he's definitely a 2020 contender this year. Uh, 20 home runs, 20 steals with about 80. He could score 80 plus runs, get 60 plus RBIs. Um, he has 30-30 potential in the future. I don't think he'll hit it this year, but that's something that you could look down the line when if he puts if he starts if he shows a big improvement this year, he's definitely someone who's going to be targeted even more. But besides after him, I'm assuming Adam Eaton, they're going to go lefty righty, lefty righty, lefty righty. Um, so Adam Eaton's probably going to bat number two. He was batting leadoff for a lot last year, and then he moved to the two hole. He's not a guy I'm going to target in DFS at all because he doesn't hit home runs. He has uh. He's probably he's he's about a 15-15 guy, maybe 20 steals if he's lucky. He gets on base quite often. He's probably their second best on base guy this year. Uh, now that they don't have Rendon or Harper, I would say about a career 360 plus OBP. So he's pretty good in that area. He can run, he can field, but he's just not someone who you're gonna look at to drive in runs. He's not gonna hit home runs for you. So he's a guy that I'm not really gonna target in DFS. Because well, he's of a young. He's not young anymore either. I mean, no, he's, he's been around. He's in his, uh, I think he's close to 30, if yeah. not 31. So he's not someone I'm actively targeting, but he's going to be in a position to score runs because he's batting in that two hole. But number three in that lineup is Trey Turner. Uh, he was a, he's stud. a stud. He's a stud. He was hurt last year. The team was playing a bunch of different people in his spot because he was hurt. But when he came back, he finished strong, and he was part of the reason why they won the, the World Series. Uh, he's only 27 the next two years, he, he's under arbitration, so he's going to be there for a little while. If he says he's going to, he wants to test free agency, maybe they'll see what they can get for him. But right now, he's a guy who's 20 plus home runs, 40 plus steals, uh, with upside for even more. He's going to be batting third in this lineup. Uh, he's very, he has a 350 OBP basically, and he's going to be protected by probably the best young hitter in the game, uh, in Juan Soto, who's. I, he's only 21 years old. I'll get to him that's in a second. That's insane. But he's going to have the protection in the lineup that Soto is not going to have. So um, he might see more pitches because he has Soto behind him. But um, yeah, he's he's a guy that you know you're going to have to pay up for to get him. And in the right matchup, he's definitely someone like you mentioned, coach, who could hit a home run and steal two bases in in the same game. And he's yeah. not he's a guy who not only is projected for 40 plus steals, but he has the green light to steal third anytime he wants. And that's very rare in the, today's game, especially, but he can, he can get a single or a walk and then get to third on just steals. That's 10 fantasy points right there. So that's just uh, mouthwatering if you have him in your lineup and he's, he's running that day. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I, that's a guy that I have on my list with a question mark next to, and I'll tell you why I do think he's a superstar. I all-star for sure. Fantastic player, but it's just the mindset, you know, of being in that three hole and even Soto as a young age, those two guys, the pressure to produce in the in the, you know, following in the footsteps 
of Harper and Rendon, that is a big, big chore. And I, I don't think they're going to want to take the, the, uh, the bat out of the hands of Soto when Turner gets on. So I don't think he's going to be as in-depth to running. It's easy to run when Rendon's up there because he's going to slap it around and you can steal some bases. But, you know, it's going to be crunch time when Turner gets on or there'll be somebody in front of him on the base paths. And my concern is we're going to see the consistent numbers like he's done with home runs and RBIs. But I'm just afraid his run scored and stolen bases are going to take such a dip and he'll still be so highly priced in DFS. So just something I want to throw in because as much as I like the guy, I do have a big question mark next to him. Yeah, and he's not really a power home run guy either. So you're really reliant on those doubles and the stolen bases and all those type of things as well. I think yeah. he's got pop, though. He's got he, pop. Trust he has me. 25 seen, home run potential. And uh, I think so. I actually disagree yeah. with the, the notion that he's going to run less. Um, you think? When when Soto was up, he actually run, he's more frequently running. When Soto's up, Soto's more of a free swinger and whatnot. But um, I know when Harper was there, Harper didn't like people running while he was up. So True. Turner Turner uh, curbed that a little bit. But when Soto's up, he he his steal rate is actually up. So I don't know if I see him uh, nice. being curbed on the base pass. Plus they need to manufacture runs, losing their best player from last year. So I see him. Uh, getting the green light, and that's something Dusty Baker really didn't give him, and Dave Roberts did when he was in the lineup last year. So I see him. I, I don't sure. see him not running 40 or stealing 40 bases if they give him the green light even more. 60s potential. Uh, wow. I know people people don't really get that much this year or lately, not from but, the three hole. That's just my only thought. I mean, when's the last time somebody stole 50 bags that didn't lead off? Yeah, but uh, when was the last time you had a prototypical leadoff hitter batting in your three-hole because you don't really have a, the other options for it? So it's it's know, it's pretty happens. different. I know. We'll, we'll see, man. I love your points. You got the stats to back it, but just the years of watching baseball, when I've seen that transition of the 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 leadoff hitter becoming so good that they have to move him down to the three-hole, it just take it always seems to to take a chunk out of that speed and, and run score. But you could be right. I like the, the manager point and Soto, uh, you know, is such a free swinger. Uh, you may have a good one. So let's, again, that's, that's one of those key points to watch the first couple of weeks when they're back. Cause that trend either way will probably continue throughout the season. Yeah. Depending on how much success they had. Um, but yeah, he has to bat three cause they, they lost their three hitter and oh, he's no the second best player. Yeah. But moving on to Juan Soto, we mentioned him. He's 21 years old. He's locked down for the long haul. Uh, this guy just rose through the system as a teenager. Unbelievable. He, he is absolutely fantastic. Um, he's going to be protecting Trey Turner in the lineup. He's he's, a, he's just a stud. He's going to hit 30 home runs, 100 RBIs pretty much. Um, but the only thing, the only difference here is there is no Anthony Rendon in front of him. Um, and, and, they might have to bat either Starling Castro, maybe Carter Kaiboom behind him. So there's really no protection. I know he didn't have much protection behind him last year, but that was because Anthony Rendon was in front of him and he was getting more pitches for uh, teams that were looking to not pitch or to Anthony Rendon and trying to see if this 20-year-old kid could beat him. And he did beat him. But this year it's going to be a little different without that stud in front of him or like right in that lineup with him. So I, I see teams – trying to avoid him if they could and getting to Starlin Castro, getting to Carter Kaiboom, getting to 
Ryan Zimmerman, whoever's going to bat in that fifth hole. Um, but with that said, in the right matchup, this guy's just a, a plain out stud. He can hit the ball anywhere to all types of the field. Um, he's, he hits for power like few have at his age. So I'm not worried about him at all. He's, he's just too good to worry about. Well, I hope you're right. I love the kid. I love watching him play, but I, I hate to be the the negative guy here, but I've got the the pink marker uh, on him, and that pink is sort of like red, which I just think he's going to have trouble. And here's the reason why: I think they there is absolutely nobody, in my opinion, worth a chicken's butt. How about that for some term that makes no sense? It's going to bat behind him. So why on earth would you give this kid a a strike down the middle to swing at? And here's the problem. He's not disciplined at the plate. He will swing at a lot of pitches. So I think his strikeouts go up. I think his batting batting average goes down. And I think this team, you know, they absorb the Harper loss. The Rendon loss to me is even bigger. And I think that weight on a 21-year-old kid that they're going to pitch around almost every at-bat, and he's going to be one of the higher-priced outfielders in DFS. He's a stay away from me, Santino, and I know, you know, we'll argue that one until the day is done, but I just, it's just the recipe I've seen happen too many times, and it's just, it's not right. So then what will happen, you watch, mark my words, we'll do this show in a year from now. He'll, he'll have all those dips. They'll sign somebody for $300 million to bat behind him, and they'll move him you know, either into the three-hole or have somebody batting fifth that's making the big bucks to protect him. Because you know, that's the weird thing about baseball compared to every other sport. In every other sport, if you're awesome like him, you dominate. It's just you find a way in football, basketball, whatever. You're going to get the ball. You're going to dominate. In baseball – you can take the stick out of the guy's hands by not pitching to him. And it's, that's what makes it so difficult sometimes to have, you know, some of these guys become superstars because if you don't have the supporting cast, you're screwed. So I just wanted to throw that in there. That's my biggest take on the nationals. And I know it won't be a popular one, but buyer beware is all I got to say. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. Cause I was, thinking the same thing without Rendon it's going to be a lot harder for him to get his pitches because there is nobody else in that behind him and Turner's in front of him um Turner's not a guy who's going to always beat you with the long ball because he's probably going to only get 25 but um I know I called him a free swinger but I wouldn't to say that his eye is not good and he's not disciplined is uh that's a leap the guy had over 100 walks last year in 150 games he had about 80 in in 116 games so he is very disciplined since coming to the majors his obp is both both year and a half is over 400 uh that's one of the best in the league you don't get a lot of people with an obp over 400 so he he does he does have an eye i think he'll have that again but i think it's because his walks are going to increase to like 140 150 in that neighborhood because they're not going to pitch to him but yeah i don't know about uh, uh, it i don't mean he has a, a a terrible eye. He's not just a going to bat 200 kind of guy. It's just when you're 21, you haven't seen as many pitches and, you know, to be placed in that situation where the, you know, they're going to be nibbling just outside of the corners. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I hope the kid 
walks 175 times and and then they have to throw him some pitches but we'll see yeah i think i think soto's a good player uh for certain slates when you you have a really good matchup against a right-handed uh pitcher that's not very good uh he's got a lot of upside there so he's one of those situational players that you'll plug in when you're looking for uh upside and uh, against uh right-handed pitchers yeah I mean, 108 walks is no slouch. It's probably uh, no, not bad. Top but five, again, top he didn't have league last year. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't have anybody really great batting behind him. He protected Rendon, didn't he? Yeah, he was. He Rendon was three. He was four. Yeah, uh, but it, so yeah, but uh, we'll we'll see. That. I mean, if he gets more walks this year, it's it's only going to be really good for his OBP. He has some speed. He'll probably he stole I think in the tens last year. Um, 10 or 12, something like that. Yeah, 12 he, stolen bases last year. Yeah, so That's, not bad speed. If he gets more opportunity to run now that uh, he might be the only one on base with uh, the people behind him, I'm, they'll probably let him run. Maybe he gets 15, 16 stolen bases this year. Um, how, how many? Let me ask you this, though, Santino, because we are, our brains only think DFS. So here's the frustrating part for me and why I have him marked that way. How many times have you spent, like, your highest price guy – which Soto will be one of the highest price guys. And you sit there and he walks twice and you get points for the two walks and maybe a run score. And you're thinking, what the hell? He could take this guy deep every time. It's just frustrating when you spend big money and get single digit points because they won't pitch to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, I'm an OBP guy though. Uh, regardless of how much he costs, if someone can get on base with a 400 per- clip, that, that's really good for me. You expect, uh, even if they're singles, doubles, triples, walks, he's going to get on base. He's going to move move from base to base, hopefully. And uh, that, that just gives lineup or that gives you points. They're a lot better than getting zero. Sometimes people just go over three with a couple hard hit outs um, and, then, and then a strikeout or something. But if you're getting on base, that's guaranteed points right there. So he's someone I'm just going to look at because he he has 30 home run potential. He did it last year, 100 RBIs, and he has a really good eye. Over 100 walks is no slouch. Yeah, and I, I think their lineup's still good enough to provide some protection where it's not going to be like they're they're pitching around him every time. Uh, yeah, they lost some elite players last few years, but I still think that uh, they have a good enough lineup where there, there will be some pitchers that still pitch to him. And, and that's where we disagree, and we'll yep. let uh, Santino go over the rest of this lineup because I think it stinks, personally. Yeah, they, okay. this lineup, the, they brought in a few guys. So the the five, six, seven, eight spots are going to be whoever's doing really good. I'm assuming they're going to stick to the righty-lefty, righty-lefty combo, um, and Soto's a lefty. So the biggest bat that they brought in to protect Soto is Eric Thames from Milwaukee. If they don't, if he produces in a lefty-lefty lineup right behind Soto, he'll probably take that fifth spot. But if they want to keep it righty-lefty-righty-lefty, uh, he might bat sixth. But again, there's there's a new rule where you can't bring in a specialist for just one out. So maybe that changes a, a whole thing. Maybe they don't care if they have two lefties uh, batting right next to each other. So you don't have to bring in one reliever to get two 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 outs and then take him out because you can't do that anymore. So that's yeah. going to be very interesting. And if Thames is protecting Soto and he's seeing a lot of pitches and he's batting in that fifth spot, he's a guy I really like. Uh, he has 30 home run potential as well with 80-plus RBI potential. If he's batting sixth and they're keeping a lefty-righty, lefty-righty lineup, he's 
going to fall off a little to me. Maybe I don't think he'll hit 30 home runs, but again, it, it all depends on how they want to do it. But he's some guy I want to look at if he's batting fifth, protecting Soto, because he's going to see a ton more pitches in that scenario. They signed him into a cheap one-year deal with a mutual option on the second. So that's just something I'm thinking about. Uh, I know they have Ryan Zimmerman as well to play first base, but that guy is uh, good for him for winning a World Series last year. He's been the face of the franchise ever since they moved to Washington. He's 100 years old. But, yeah, he's God. 35 years old now, and uh, he's pretty much at the end of his career. So Thames should see near every day at bats, especially as a left-hander and in a platoon. There's not a lot of lefty pitchers, starters. So I hope he pick, I hope he hits fifth because he's a guy I'll target a lot in DFS if so. Um, if it's Starling Castro who's hitting fifth, I'm not as excited. He's not he doesn't have the power potential that an Eric Dames has. He is a decent hitter. Um, he could still get you 15 to 20 home runs. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't run much, but he's just not a guy that I'm gonna target if uh, he's batting fifth. And it will be really really the biggest the the best thing he'll do or worst thing he'll do for fantasy is hurt my Eric Dames liking because he's taken that fifth spot because he bats righty. Uh, but he's still a guy I won't touch. Another guy who's an option for the fifth spot, but he is also an option for the eighth or ninth spot, is their number one prospect, Carter Kaiboom. Uh, he came up last year. He, his first cup of tea was not that good. He was really underwhelming last year. He played a little bit of second when um, oh, when they needed a second baseman, when Dozier wasn't playing good. And then he played some shortstop when uh, Turner was hurt. But he didn't play great. He's still very young. He's still very full of potential. He's a top 10 prospect still. Uh, he, he's still their number one prospect, but he's going to get everyday third base at-bats. He's going to play, uh, try and fill that Anthony Rendon void. And if he starts off strong, he's also a right-handed hitter. He could take that fifth spot. He could be Soto's protection. Uh, that's not a good for a real-life lineup, but for DFS, he's going to see a lot of pitches if if he climbs into that fifth spot. And he's a guy I really like. He has he has pop. He could hit 25 home runs if everything clicks this year. I don't think he will, but um, yeah, he he has he has the upside and the the ability to spray the ball over the field, and he has the power. So he's a guy I'll look at if things are clicking, and if not, um, not. But uh, I know in the Sims right now he's only two thousand dollars, so he's the cheapest you can possibly get. So if that sticks in the regular season and he works his way up a little bit in that lineup. Whoa, that's a a guy in the right pitching matchup that I'm targeting almost every time. Absolutely. Shane, let me ask you this. If you're an opposing pitching coach, you're coming into town to play the, the Nationals. Soto's one of the best young hitters in baseball, if not the best young hitter. And you have the, to talk to your pitching pitchers before the game regarding the lineup. Are you – how – can you possibly not say don't give uh, the stud anything to hit pitch to kaboom and uh, the old man Zimmerman and Starlin Castro and uh, who's our, and, and Thames. I mean, that seems lopsided to me. I, I could be wrong, but do you see that? Aspect yeah, I think, of it. I think if I was the coach, it would depend on which pitcher was going that day. Uh, there might be certain pitchers where I say, let's just go at this guy, you know, because if you have your elite pitcher going, uh, you're you're confident in him like that. Um, but, yeah, there's certain pitchers where you, you definitely would probably, uh, you know, you would probably err on the side of caution with them. Um, but, yeah, there's some of these other guys, though, these younger guys that could step up for the Nationals. 
and improve their lineup, even though on paper they don't look great. I think that they, they do have some upside and some guys that can get better. Uh, so I still think they're a pretty decent lineup. Um, but, yeah, it's I think it'll depend on uh, the rotation, the pitching rotation, uh, in terms of what you're looking at there. Yeah, it'll, it, it very well could. It'll it'll depend on who's on the mound, but Soto's a guy you're trying to avoid at all costs. But at the same time, if they have people on base, Robles, Eaton, Turner, they get on base – uh, they could steal. They're very good at stealing. If you're not going to pitch to Soto and someone's already on base, that's two people on base. All you need is a single, yeah. and you could drive in two runs. So it, this team showed last year that they can man- manufacture runs without big power guys. I know they had two, but uh, they could. They know how to manufacture runs. They know how to run the bases. They know how to play the game. So it's it's something that's going to be interesting. I'll and, tell you that the last thing I'll say then on those guys. I think you're right. I think. Circle that five hole and even maybe the six hole on the Nationals, because they're probably going to be dirt cheap, and they're going to have they're going to have a, probably three at bats with at least per game with one or two guys on base, and you got to love that opportunity. You get a, a dirt cheap, you know Zimmerman will be cheap, Kai Boom and uh, Castro is always cheap. I used to take him last year with the Marlins just because he was so cheap and. You know, it's opportunity. You know, they're going to get pitched to with guys on base. And, you know, if you can get a line drive double score a couple runs and you got sort of a minimum price guy, that could be a real key to uh, putting together a winning lineup. Yeah. And then they got a couple of veterans on the bench, too, um, that can just slot in and hit five. Howie Kendrick had a resurgent year last year. So he's someone who, if Starling Castro or Kai Boom, disappoints they could play uh kendrick plays all over the diamond now he's 36 so he's not gonna probably see every day at bats but he showed he still had stuff left in the tank last year so yeah. he might yeah. get that fifth spot 344 and, uh, average last year for yeah. uh kendrick was uh that's very impressive so if you can get him at a very low price in certain certain situations that that would be good value and when he's in the lineup he's probably gonna bat fifth uh like if he's playing like he did last year, and he shows he's still got it. We mentioned Zimmerman. He's probably going to bat fifth when he's playing. Uh, he's a righty, so you don't have to worry about that lefty-righty uh, back-to-back or lefty-lefty back-to-back with Thames. And then they, they have Michael Taylor. He's probably not going to see many starts with the, the outfield already locked in, but he's a guy who has power-speed combo. He's a good defender. He's shown it throughout his career, but uh, very streaky, so that's why he can't get an everyday job. And then they also have Asdrubal Cabrera, another guy who can play all over the diamond. Um, he's he's not a bad player, so he'll see some starts, if especially if people are struggling, but he's not a guy I'm targeting. But he's another guy. Like the, the That fifth, sixth spot is very fluid depending on who is in the lineup and if they want that lefty-lefty combo with Soto and Thames. So yeah, those are, like you mentioned, Coach, those are the guys, if I'm going to target – cheap options on a good uh, bad going up against a bad pitcher. I like the fifth and sixth spots because you're going to see some pitches. I'm with you. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it for the lineup. Uh, the, for the bullpen, they, they have a really good bullpen. Um, they do littles on a contract year though, but he showed another bounce back season last year. He was very integral on how they got to the playoffs and how they won. Uh, they got Hudson. Now he's probably going to be a, another secondary closer option. Um, main setup guy they got will harris from the astros <laughs> he's a, he's a really good bullpen guy very good setup guy uh, very uh, reliable where's your where's your sound effect uh shane <laughs> there you go that means it's a curve yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and they got a, they got a couple other good guys in the bullpen uh ronis elias 
He's not. He hasn't been great as a starter, but in the bullpen, he's been very effective. Javi Guerra has been effective in the bullpen, pretty much like Elias and Rainey. They have some some options out there and and some a good bullpen, so it'll keep them in games. Um, and this that's the reason why I really like this division. I before Syndergaard went out, I I thought this was going to be one of the three most competitive divisions in the league. They have four really good teams that could yeah. make the playoffs. Any one of those four. Um, but and then the big thing about the Nationals, we all know, is no matter what they have in the lineup, um, it's young and exciting. Their bullpen is stable, but it's this starting rotation that's going to take them to wherever they end up this year. Uh, they got the three big guns in Max Scherzer, who is going to turn 36 in July, but this guy is still a stud. I know Shane, you talked about him. Uh, everybody from Detroit gets better. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this he's. This guy last year, he was a, uh, I think he finished third in the Cy Young voting. It was his lowest career FIP, lowest career FIP at 35 years old at 245. Um, his K's dipped a little bit because he missed a few starts, his overall K's, but his K per nine was the highest of his career. Uh, the, again, the guy's 35 years old. He had his lowest FIP of his career, highest K per nine of his career, second lowest walk per nine of his career. It's just incredible. In the last seven years, last wow. seven years, this guy has been a top five contender in the Cy Young. The worst he's finished in the last seven years was fifth in the Cy Young voting. So uh, when when you say old, you you look at Scherzer. The guy's going to turn 36 in July, but he doesn't look like he's running out of gas anytime soon. I hope he it doesn't. I, I hope me saying that doesn't jinx him, but this guy's just a, a monster. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, though. I I'm I'm stunned by him because, like you said, those stats speak for themselves. He's awesome. But you know what's shocking to me? He throws with so much intense force in that body, the shoulder, the elbow. I mean, he grunts when he throws the ball. <laughs> yeah. You wonder how a guy like that, how his shoulder and arm can hold up under that kind of incredible stress. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, last year he missed a few starts. Uh, he hadn't missed a few starts in a while, but uh, hopefully he can stay healthy and continue on this trend because he's. It's just, uh, it's amazing Fun what this guy's he's done. Must see TV. It's, he went. He's he's to pitching like Shane is to sim games. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. When he was young in, in Detroit, he was a hard thrower who had control issues, and Ooh. he was he was you always have to a guy. Throw that shot at Shane. You didn't. Have uh, it wasn't. A, it's not a shot. It was just when he was young. He was. He had a. He won a Cy Young in Detroit, so it's not a shot, uh, shot oh, against yeah. him. But, um, just, yeah, he was young. He was a, he was wild, but he threw hard, and it was always can he hit his upside? And then yeah. he just hit it and kept hitting it, and he's continuing to hit it, and that's what it shows when people put it all together. What could happen? A multi-time Cy Young winner and still on top of his game. Yeah. But number two in the the rotation is uh, the big guy that they decided to lock down last year, Steven Strasburg. They they could only lock one of Rendon or Strasburg, they went with Strasburg. Um, mm-hmm. But at World Series MVP, he was a stud last year, especially all throughout the playoffs. Finally had a healthy season last year. Um, it, it, 33 starts, it was the second most in his career. The big thing about Strasburg is he is a great, he is a really good pitcher, probably top 12 in the league um, without a doubt. Yeah. But injuries have plagued him throughout his career. Last year, he finally, like I said, he didn't, he started 33 games, so he didn't get injured, and he showed why he's so good when he's healthy. But that's the thing with him. he He's continually getting hurt. Hopefully he can you stay know, healthy uh, again. 
Santino, another thing we uh, have to factor in this year with uh, shortened offseason programs, these injury-prone type players like Strasburg, you kind of worry about it not having a full offseason and coming in and playing uh, and, and being injury-prone already. That's something that you have to factor in. Uh, definitely. Um, you're, you're, you hit it right on the head right there, as, as uh, my hey, friend Apatria would say. <laughs> <laughs> hit it right on the head. He's a guy who's always injured, and with a shortened off-season program, uh, he's not. I don't know what he's doing right now. I don't <laughs> can't keep tabs spring, on him. Spring but, training alone, you know, just yeah, that, playing well, video games and Sims, MLB. The show, <laughs> you know, you know. So it's, it's a guy that I'm I'm worried about because he has had injuries throughout his career and they weren't lower they were arm injuries as well shoulder injuries oh. multitude of different injuries that you don't want to see a pitcher go through so he's a guy I'm, I'm worried about but if he's healthy he's he's a stud so Do you guys remember his very first game and the big to do about his first uh, oh, he was uh, he he came out firing yeah, that was never, a lot of excitement i would say in my lifetime seriously the the two first start pitchers that there was more press. Every game, everyone covered the games. Were Doc Gooden for the Mets and Steven Strasburg for the Nationals? I mean, they thought Strasburg was was the next, you know, like Sandy Koufax kind of guy, and and he may well have been without all those million injuries. But yeah. uh, I don't know, man. I I really really question. I'd love to get both your opinions on this why would you sign a guy to that kind of money for that time frame when he could flame out in the next 18 months as opposed to you got a power-hitting, phenomenal uh, cleanup hitter for the next probably seven years uh, in Rendon? I just didn't agree with the signing personally. I think, that, the other I think that he's still – he's only 31. Some of these pitchers actually in their 30s can get better like the, uh, you know, Scherzer, Verlander type guys. And uh, if they feel like he checked out medically, um, he could get better in his in his 30s and still have a successful career. And elite pitchers like this are much harder to find. Uh, they're, re- they're really hard to find. So I think they prioritize the, the ace pitcher and then try to develop, uh, you know, the, the bats from the, some of the younger prospects. Um, I think that's the way they went. Yeah, they – this team scraps together runs and they pitch great and that's what worked for them. Uh, Strasburg won the World Series MVP. He was phenomenal throughout the playoffs. He showed when he's healthy, he is the guy. So he pretty much gave them no other option to sign this guy or maybe the fans revolt against you. Uh, they they well, can only sure sign the one. Fans aren't happy about Rendon leaving though either. Uh, they they didn't have the money to sign them both, so one of them yeah. had to go. I so. think he's an in, uh, Strasburg is an intimidating force. Uh, and when he's on and healthy, uh, I think that, you know, it, it. that's a huge advantage and it's worth yeah. it. And that's just the value of elite pitchers in the MLB. Yeah. Exactly. It's tough, but the problem is of all sports and all positions, there's nothing more fragile than a pitcher in baseball. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, they're one throw away. Well, I'll be talking very soon about Syndergaard. I mean, look at that. He's gone for a year and a half or whatever it's going to be. So... But you know. also the the pitch a pitcher and and Caldwell hit it uh, an elite pitcher is hard to come by one and they control the entire game the pitchers yeah. the pitchers and and the catchers but only they, every fifth day though bro yeah but look what happens in the playoffs when you're when you're in the playoffs you can pitch every three days you you only need really three to four pitchers in the playoffs and they showed that with three great pitcher or 
two great pitchers, one really good pitcher, and uh, something whatever they had to throw in there. Anibal was the fourth. That that's all it takes. And if you're on your on your game every fifth day or every th- third day in the playoffs, uh, you have a shot. You have and a I shot think to win. starting uh, him starting 33 games last year is a really good indication that he might be getting a little smarter, a little bit better mechanics and training regiment as in uh, getting an older player. Um, yeah. And that be, could be a sign of more consistency, uh, uh, you know, in the future. So that's where I think it's, it's promising, but yeah, these guys always make you nervous, but uh, the, he's still in one of the best pitchers in the game. I mean, can yeah. you imagine he gets to follow around Scherzer who's quite a bit older than him and watch how he does it. I mean, what a great value added thing for Strasburg. Yeah. And Strasburg's uh, uh, a guy you're going to target in DFS, especially on the right slate. Oh, I mean, yeah. great pitcher, low ERA, low whip, but uh strikeout guy. He had a 10.8 K per nine last year. And yeah. throughout it, that's pretty much his, the bar for his career. He's a big strikeout guy. So on the right slate, especially against the, the division Marlins, you can get, he got, he struck out like 12 Marlins multiple times last year. So if I see him against the Marlins, I'm probably going to target it. Uh, he's uh, going to be a chalk guy a lot this year. That's for sure. Yeah. If he stays healthy. Then third in the rotation, their big signing last year. Well, they lost Harper. It's funny. They, they lost a big bat. They brought in an arm this year. They had to let go of a big bat, but they re-signed their arm. Um, and it, this is Patrick Corbin. He's going to also be 31 in July. Uh, but he's he's a quality third starter, one of the better third starters in the game, I would I would say. Uh, he has a, a 3-5 whip last year, or FIP last year, very good. He's a pretty high strikeout guy. He's It's been climbing back up uh, the mm-hmm. last few years. Last year he was at a, his second highest at 10, 10.6K per nine. Ever since his big injury a uh, few years back in Arizona, took him a little bit to get back, but he's back to being a really good strikeout guy. Um, and then his... his his walks jumped a little bit last year to 3.1, his, his walks per nine. But I don't know. He It was more of a second half. Uh, he ran into a rough rough patch in about uh, late July, mid-August. And that was one thing that he did. He, he started walking people. I don't know if that's – I think that's more of an aberration. I would. He's a guy that uh, – he usually has very good control, so I don't see that coming back to bite him too much. But um, yeah, he's another guy I'm definitely targeting in this lineup. Uh, he's had two straight years over 200 innings pitched, so you know he's a reliable innings eater. He gets he gets a lot of strikeouts. He's got over 200 last year again, uh, and he's just a great number three starter. This this one two three is what you're going to target on this line um, on this team, and it's what they're hoping for to get them back to the playoffs with these three guys. Yeah, that's um, that's a good way to start your uh, rotation. That's for darn sure. Yeah, and then. In the, the four and five spot, they still have Anibal Sanchez, who wasn't too bad last year for a number four starter, pretty much what you expect, mid-four ERA. Um, he was reliable in the playoffs, I got to say. He wasn't bad. Yeah. He gave them some Stepped innings. Stepped up. He's, yeah. The last two years, he's been a stable pitcher. Um, that's all you got to ask for for a number four or five starter. Um, I'm not actively targeting him, but if he's pitching against, I know I mentioned the Marlins, but someone like yeah. the Marlins, he he's reliable. He can get you some strikeouts. Um He's he gets you innings. He's an innings eater, but um, that's that's pretty much it. Only on the the best matchup possible. If I'm going for a real cheap pitcher, am I going to target him? I'll tell. And, I used him a lot as my second pitcher on the sites. You know where you have to take two pitchers. I mm-hmm. thought he was a good second banana because his price was usually decent. And if the matchup was good, like you said, you know he'd have his times where he'd get blown up. But 
against the lesser teams, lesser hitting teams, he was a really good second pitcher on uh, for DFS rostering. Yeah. And then the fourth and fifth spot, uh, probably not touching either. It's either – or fifth spot is either Joe Ross or Austin Voth. I kind of like Joe Ross. He's sneaky. Uh, he's 27. He hasn't had success since he got injured in 2017, but he was showing promise before that. He was one of their higher prospects. Um, but he's not a big K guy, and he's his prime thing was location when he was coming up, but he's, he's just been walking a lot of people. So until he fixes that, he's not a guy I'm looking at. And Austin Voth might win the the fifth spot. He's a decent option. Um, he he has a he can strike out a, a guy per inning, so that's pretty good. But again, mm-hmm. not someone I'm really going to actively look at unless they're playing someone bad. And that pretty much uh, locks up the team. Beautiful <laughs> for, for them. Outstanding. Great job. Great. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely going to be a pivotal year to see what happens with the champs if they're able to come in there and get it done. I mean, that's a tough division, so we'll see. But uh, outstanding job. That should give a lot of insight. Uh, Hopefully uh, our listeners jotted a few things down because uh, that'll be something we'll want to remember as as, as the season rolls around. Uh, If you enjoy this, jump in. uh, Go to DFSCoachTalk.com. That's our our web address. Uh, There's information on there about our memberships. Again, all, all of our memberships are frozen, so if you jump in for let's even a week membership right now, you just get to ride out the rest of this COVID time with us uh, and get involved with our contests and have some fun chit-chatting about different things uh, in sports uh, that are going to be valid for the upcoming DFS season. Uh, you can catch uh, me at uh, J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I on Twitter, Santino. What's your uh, Twitter? Uh, it's at Santino Cocone, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Beautiful. And, you know, give us a shout out uh, if you have questions uh, that you want discussed on an upcoming show. Uh, I've posted uh, the pod schedule in our Discord. So if you're a member, you know, you could see the teams that are coming up. Uh, we just go by twos right down, basically uh the the standings from last year and you know best to to uh first in in both leagues so uh feel free to to jump on there um also on youtube you know we're on dfs coach talk on there uh you'll you can look up any of the other shows we've done or if you know we you missed your favorite team you want to go back and listen you can find it on there uh, we are available seven days a week on these podcasts. We have committed to doing that in front of the paywall. We're never going to make it a paid piece of what we offer. We want to help people in the DFS world out there to be better. And so we'll always have this out seven days a week. As we're proving now, even if there's not sports, something we never thought we would have to say, but it is what it is. But uh, we're everywhere podcasts can be found. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. Uh, we would ask that you take a second. See, our only ask of, of every podcast that you'd rate, review, and subscribe. We'd really appreciate it if you give us a five stars on iTunes with a little comment. Uh, we do a drawing the first Sunday of every month for a free one-month membership for someone that has posted a five-star and a comment that month. Uh, you know, click on YouTube, the little alarm bell 
so that it lets you know uh, when our podcast is posting. Uh, we're going to start transitioning as we get closer to the restarting of sports into actually uh, you know, doing the audio portion of the show and having that uploaded you know, to the Spotify's and, and iTunes, but we're going to have a video uh, portion of it as well that's uploaded through YouTube. So you'll get to see some of these uh, scary facces, as which means face in Italian, uh, with this with this group. We ought to we ought to scare a few children and uh, pets. But other than that, you'll get to see sort of we're talking and. You know, when we're uh, arguing about players, all the hand gestures and dirty looks and all that fun stuff. And, you know, we love it. So anyway, that'll start uh, very soon. So you want to definitely jump in there. Uh, I also want to mention now, so I don't forget at the end of the show, because we get so wrapped up in this, uh, you know, the the charity that we support uh, big time here at uh, Coach Talk is MambaOn3.org. That's M-A-M-B-A-O-N-T-H-R-E-E dot org. Uh, look it up. If you can give, it's a fantastic, fantastic cause. All right. I am going to jump into the New York Mets, uh, the Metropolitans. And obviously, you know, the elephant in the room, and we'll just discuss it now and get it out of the way, is the bad injury for old Mr. Noah Syndergaard. He had surgery. He's going to miss the entire season at least. Uh, definitely a massive, massive blow uh, to the Mets' playoff hopes because he is just phenomenal. Um, so he's out of the picture. So I'm going to start with pitching. I'm going to go sort of the, the opposite route here because really, you know, this team is going to start and end with pitching, and they definitely made some moves. But losing Syndergaard is going to be so hard to uh, overcome. Uh, you've got the the stud at the top, DeGrom, who's always going to be a chalk pitcher every time he pitches. 16 wins, 2.81 with a, a whip just barely over one. And how about this, guys? 248 Ks and only 51 walks. That's stout. Then yeah. we have... Yeah, no, I'm yeah, just he's, he's, are he's you awesome. guys you guys are so stunned you couldn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> uh DeGrom is DeGrom. He's one of the top three pitchers in the game, if not top right now. Um you know every time he's he's on the slate it's gonna be expensive to get him, but especially in the right matchup you want him. I would I would kind of fade him in the wrong matchup just because he hasn't won a lot of games lately. I know I really do. I know you're going to touch upon the lineup. I like the lineup a lot this year, yeah. but um, his wins, I, I don't know what it is for the last couple of years, even when he's holding opponents to no runs and one run, they just can't score for him. And they I don't, don't understand what it is. So that's yeah, the only thing I would be um, a little weary about is if I'm going to pay that price, I want to win. I know yeah. he's probably going to hold you to a run or two at most and strike out a lot of people, but you need that win. Yeah. yeah, 11 and 8 is pretty uh that's that's pretty low uh, a lot of losses for uh a pitcher that's going to be priced up among the the top, you know, prices there. So Well, they they project him for 16 wins this year. So if he does that, then you know, it's a no-brainer. There's no question about it, but uh yeah, he's he, I think that uh I do like their offensive lineup better than I have in the past recently. 
So we'll talk about that some. Maybe that gives him a DeGrom a boost. But, you know, yeah. he's got to be your first eyeball look unless he's pitching in Colorado or something bizarre. But he's always got to be a first option, I think, Just at least. Think how good this guy is that he won a Cy Young and he only won 11 games. I know, that's, that's just, insane. That says it right there. Yeah, he was that dominant for sure. Um, but like I say, you know, if, if the projections of 16 wins – uh, you know, in that low ERA and whip and big strikeout to walk ratio, I mean, he he could be phenomenal. Now, the question is the rest of the pitching staff. This is where we got to dig in and make a decision because none of these four guys are four guys that I feel uh, that are going to be top of my options in pitching. I mean, maybe as a second banana on like DraftKings, but let's talk about them individually. Marcus Stroman, who, you know, wonderful competitor, gritty guy, you know, uh, had a lot of success in Toronto. But, you know, he certainly has the ability to get blown up. He's not as the strikeout pitcher that he really started out to be. But, uh, you know, uh, just a guy that I'd say to keep an eye on, but I don't feel real comfortable uh, in fact, there's a few times last year that I uh, stacked against him. Um, so that's an interesting uh, guy. And then really, I mean, it's it's almost I almost have the identical thing to say about the rest of these guys as well. Steven Matz, you know, boomer bust at, at times. Um, Rick Porcello and Michael Waka, who they grabbed. I mean, times when they pitch well. And you can sneak, uh, you know, a real low-owned guy that that gets you some stats. But man, you're on, you're walking on eggshells when you roster these guys because they are very capable of getting blown up. None of them are massive strikeout guys. And so, you know, for me, I know it sort of puts it in a nutshell. I'll let you two guys comment. But I mean, Degrom, no-brainer. But Stroman, Mats, Porcello, and Waka. I, I just, for 20 different stats I could read, you know, for their careers, I have some concern rostering any of those guys. What what do you guys think? I know it's a big canvas, but I just feel like they're the same guy almost. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, they're yeah, they are very similar. Um, if you hit them on the right day uh, when they're going against a weak lineup and you get really good value for them so you can load up on big bats, uh, that might be a situation where you do that occasionally um, if, if you're going for those, uh, you know, high priced uh, batters uh, yeah. just because these guys are high risk, but they could be high reward. I mean, they're, they do have some good games, so it's going to be definitely probably uh, more of a DFS play, uh, more of a, a GPP play uh, than a uh, cash game play for those guys. Right. Yeah. For me, I, I think Noah Syndergaard injury just, really hurt this team more than it, no it looks um, yeah. because you, you obviously have Jacob deGrom as your number one, but now without Syndergaard slot and as your number two, everybody's got to jump up a lot. I really like this rotation uh, with a Syndergaard because you have that one, two punch and then Stroman makes for a much better number three pitcher than he does a number two pitcher. I, I kind of like Stroman. He, he does, he strikes or when, since he came over last year to the Mets, I uh, strikeout rate jumped to the highest in his career. Um, as a Met, but he was getting hit a lot harder 
We'll yeah. see if that's something that continues. It, he had his worst FIP of his career as a Met, but highest strikeout. We'll see which one uh, wins out in the end. But, yeah. um, I would say also if uh, it's looking like the Mets batters, uh, their lineup's going to be a lot stronger to score more runs. So that can help some of those middle-of-the-road yeah. pitchers get more wins and provide a little bit more value for those guys. Yeah, that's a definite. Their, their lineup looks a lot better this year. But uh, Stroman, Stroman on the right matchup, he's a guy I'll target um, for a cheaper option. But again, I, I like them as for for real life. I like them much better at the number three. Mots is very inconsistent. He's been that way throughout his career since uh, he had a strong rookie year. Yeah. Um, has it? I mean, he. It depends on the game. Uh, even it doesn't even matter on the matchup. Sometimes, sometimes he it's a really good matchup for him. Yeah, it's weird. And then it's a really bad matchup, and he pitches great, but he's too inconsistent for me to trust on a daily basis. Uh, same with Rick Porcella, who's probably yep. going to be on their number five hitter, and Michael Waka. Um, Rick Porcella was a Cy Young winner a few years back out of nowhere. Is that Besides another that, Detroit Tigers guy? Yeah, another former <laughs> Detroit guy. But he's never been someone to really count on besides that uh that year that the, the Sox won, and he pitched fantastic. Waka, yeah. another high-potential guy. He was a top prospect in the game and in the Cardinal system uh, started off very strong the first couple of years. And then it he just did. went downhill from there. But all those guys, uh, Stroman, I liked as three, but Mott's Parcella, Waka, uh, even a guy that they signed to a minor league contract, Irvin Santana. I would have yeah. liked that much better if those four guys were fighting for two spots and uh, put some, put them in the bullpen in the meantime, or if someone's injured, then they can, spot start or whatnot but now that you're going to have to count on all of them to pitch uh, regularly it's it just because of the Syndergaard injury it changes the whole dynamic of this rotation and yeah I don't first for it depends on the matchup and what they're doing the the Mets ballpark is not bad so it's a a pretty good pitcher's ballpark but besides that uh I'm not going to actively target them yeah no doubt no doubt uh anything Shane on your side no, I mean, it's just these are the type of guys that you try to get at that 1% to 2% ownership in a GPP, and they actually have that good game where they get, you know, pitch uh, seven innings and get, you know, eight strikeouts and get the win. That, that's the t- These are the type of guys that when you're looking at GPPs that, that you might target, uh, you know, if you're going for that, uh, you know, value play. That, that's a great point. And, you know, it- as everybody knows that listens to our show all the time, I'm mostly like 80% cash player in all DFS. So I always, you know, when I see guys like Stroman, Matt's Priscilla walk, I think I am not blowing up my cash lineup with one of these guys, but as Andrew and Michael, who are the GPP pros, uh, you know, they often, these are the kind of guys just like uh, Shane said that can take down a GPP for you as their, as your number two pitcher if you catch them on the right game. So all have potential. I don't trust any of them. And I think uh, the Mets are really going to struggle there. Now they were 11th in the league in ERA last year and 13th in whip. So they were a little better than the norm, but now Syndergaard's not in there. So I've got to think they're going to be in the bottom half in the league in both of those key categories. And it's pretty hard to win in the, in the MLB and getting to the playoffs if you're not in the top at least half, probably third, really, uh, in, in ERA and WHIP because it's just so so important. One, one thing that they do have for them, uh, especially if Edwin Diaz doesn't 
do what he did last year and comes back to the norm is that this bullpen is very strong and if they it can is. go if they can go six six innings uh they're looking and, and score a couple runs. They're looking at a very good chance at a win. Uh, Jerry's Familia was an all-star closer uh, for this team back in the day. But he hasn't been that way since, but he's not a bad option in the bullpen. Robert Gesselman, since he's went in the bullpen, has been pretty good. Seth Lugo has been a much better bullpen guy than a starter. Um, and then their big offseason acquisition of Dellen Patances. He's either going to close if Edwin Diaz is struggling still, or yeah. he's going to be their main setup guy, uh, maybe go two, three innings. But that's that's a really good bullpen if they could get that far. It is. you know, And, and I look at that in two different ways. Does that mean the Stroman, uh, Matt's, Porcella, Waka guys get pulled earlier because of the depth of the Mets bullpen? If they can squeak five innings, because, you know, I've seen all of those pitchers I just mentioned go four, four and a third, four and two thirds, which is a kiss of death for DFS players. You know, so you could look at it either way. That could hurt. Or if the guy squeals by and pitches five, five and two thirds and has a three to two lead, you feel pretty damn good with the Mets bullpen coming in to hold on to that victory. So again, it's it's a crapshoot. It's a lot of matchup dependent, but uh, you know something to keep an eye on though. <clears throat> All right, let's go to the hitting aspect of things here because this this I find very interesting this season. I just sense a little bit better, you know, top to bottom hitting here. I like uh, some of their guys and where they're positioning them in this in this lineup. Uh, last year they were, and this is a magic number for them. They were 11th in batting average and 11th in home runs after being 11th in ERA. So I think you pretty much know where to look look them up uh, in the the, the uh, statistics. But 23rd in steals, they do not run on the bases too much. They're always looking for that long ball, uh, and they don't want to run run themselves out of any innings. But uh, you know. Let's let's start with their number three hitter, who's possibly my favorite hitter in the league. Just going to say it. Uh, Pete Alonso, man. How much fun is he hitting the baseball? Now, he you know, his batting average isn't always the best. But from a just pure uh, fired up, gutsy, looking for the big at bat, getting the big bomb hit. I mean, he is just a, a flair for the dramatics, fun guy to root for, and he comes through a lot. Are you guys on the Alonzo bandwagon with me? Yeah, I mean, 53 home runs and 120 RBIs. I mean, he's the ultimate feast or famine guy. I mean, uh, yeah, he's your, he's your, again, your high upside, just shoot for the moon guy, or he could get zero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a masher. He's been that um, for a rookie to come in and hit 53 home runs. Wow, Ridiculous. Uh, lead the league in home runs. But uh, he's been a masher throughout his minor league career. He was a big. He's a bigger guy. If you ever see him up close or even Huge. on TV, he's just very massive. Uh, but yeah, he he was. They weren't sure if it would translate over to the majors. Uh, they had some hesitation on that when they wanted to when he went into camp last year battling for a spot on, at first base, they weren't sure if he was going to get it and they weren't sure if it would translate, but yeah, he's a lot not, better. They're than definitely Tim sure. <laughs> yeah, <he's> definitely <laughs> but his power definitely translated. Uh, he had even had 30 doubles. Uh, he, he walks quite a bit too for a big guy, but he does strike out and that's something uh, 
that you're going to get with a big power bat like that. So yeah. you just got to make sure you hit him on the right days and that he's not shaking right out matchups. too much. Yeah. And I'll tell you, as you guys know, I mean, we the thing that sets us apart at DFS Coach Talk is we do not just look at the numbers. I mean, the I'd say the majority of serious DFS players, <clears throat> they uh, are falling into that pattern of using optimizers. And I get it. That's fine. Multi-entry, whatever. But I like the edge of the little things. And I specifically in basketball, I watch every single detail. And I really, really believe, and I know be over a five-year period, that has been the difference of being you know, 50-50 and, and winning at 75% because those things matter. And the, the thing that I love about Alonzo is if you watch him in the clubhouse during an interview, in batting practice, he is a born leader. He was the leader of that team as a rookie, and he has just taken the mantle of, you know, he will put the weight of the team on his back. He is always backing up his players. I just love his uh, the the way he approaches the game, and I think that he's just going to get better. I mean, he's a young guy. Uh, he he seems to really uh, enjoy the you know, that being the best player on the team and, and having that pressure. And I think, you know, with, with Conforto and Cano and some guys that can swing it uh, batting behind him, I think he'll get a little bit more conscious at the plate and cut down some of the strikeouts. I don't think he's going to be uh, like a Joey Gallo, you know, bat 200 and hit 50 homers. I just don't see that. I think Alonzo is – uh, is going to develop even better uh, and, and that you'll see some raise in the, the batting average. So I'm going to be a big Alonzo guy this year. I know he's expensive, but in the right matchups, man, I think he's got enough behind him and some guys in front of him that can get on base that he's going to be very, very interesting guy uh, to take uh, throughout the season. Um, so anyway, I wanted to start with him because he's my favorite Met um now let's look at the lineup though uh, again uh, as we all sort of agreed it's it's it seems like a pretty solid lineup with some young guys that are maturing uh to you know know the game uh it looks like they're going to lead off brandon nimmo and he's uh i'll tell you what he's scrappy i mean he can get some steals he's got pop uh, another fiery guy that i think is going to be in the right matchups a great leadoff hitter to plug in there. I love leadoff hitters just because of that extra at bat or, or sometimes that they get uh, over just about anybody else. Uh, then this guy showed flashes last year, Jeff McNeil. Of He had some games that were just ludicrous how good he was. So there's a guy that could be a breakout star for the Mets. Uh, he can uh, do a little bit of everything. He's a really good contact hitter, high high percentage. He's got pop. He's got speed. Uh, just, you know, two fantastic guys, in my opinion, that you can look at on a daily basis that are going to get knocked in a lot by uh, Pete Alonzo in the three holes. So uh, really love the top of that lineup. And then this is this is what makes me feel good about it. They, they've moved Cano down. They had him batting. 
uh, up high in the two hole and such. And he's getting older. There's some decline there, uh, but he's still a good ball player. And that's one thing about baseball uh, in, different than other sports is you can still be excel and be an all-star even when you're older uh, just by continuing to have that stroke, which he has a beautiful left-handed swing, smooth. Um, but he's all the way d- down in the five hole now, which I think is perfect because if you walk Alonzo and Conforto, who's batting cleanup in front of him, Cano will hit a line drive and knock those guys in. So Conforto in the four hole uh, is going to see a lot of pitches when they if they do pitch around Alonzo and he gets a little more disciplined at the pit plate. Uh, Conforto's got a ton of pop. Uh, again, he's with that whole McNeil, Alonzo, Conforto, that sort of that that group that's bonded, that's fired up, that plays hard. The fans love him. Uh, and I think he's a really dangerous hitter. Now, you know, I've had – he is somewhat boomer bust, though. I, I've had lineups, you know, late game where I've needed him just to stroke a couple singles or something, and he goes over. And it's, it's a little frustrating, but there's a lot of games where he's two home run games or, you know, home run, a double, five RBIs. So he's a, guy, a consistent guy you can count on as well. Uh, and then, like I said, when you get towards, uh, you know, after Cano in the five hole, again, an experienced guy that's going to get the hits or move the runners or do whatever needs to be done. But then the bottom three, uh, you know, I think are decent. I mean, you've got J.D. Davis, who's got a ton of pop. He looked like he was going to be a star coming up, uh, but he sort of settled in more towards the bottom of the lineup. But I'll tell you, if you if you look past him and throw him a cookie, he's going to knock it out of the park. So very dangerous guy that's going to be pretty cheap in DFS and could be a valuable pickup. Uh, Wilson Ramos can hit. He's a catcher that actually can hit. And, you know, uh, there's not many of them. I mean, you know, and where you have to draft them, depending uh, on the site, like you can get around it in uh, FanDuel. But, you know, if it's DraftKings or Fantasy Draft or Yahoo, and you, well, you don't have to take one to Fantasy Draft either. But on the ones that you have to take a catcher, I still think Wilson Ramos is a decent stick uh, considering it's catchers. And there's so many terrible hitting catchers. Uh, you know, for me, though, I tend, you know, and that's just my pattern, and maybe it's something I can prove on, but I almost never have a 7, 8, or 9 guy in my lineup. I just, I am so cognizant of the fact that I want that extra at bat, that if I'm between two guys, and one guy's batting fifth, and one guy's batting seventh, I'm generally going to take the guy batting fifth. So, you know, Ramos is an option. Uh, and somebody to look at. But again, you know, it, it depends on where you on a small slate, it, it becomes even more possible. Uh, Rosario, the shortstop, he's the, the pretty much the only speed guy, flat out speed guy on the team. Uh, you know, not a bad hitter. I think he's a little under uh, appreciated. He's a nice ball player. But the question is, you know, do you want to take the potential of only getting three at bats uh, or having him intentionally walk to get to the pitcher. I mean, you know, the, you really play in roulette if you, if you uh, roster an eight hitter in the national league. So, you know, that, that sort of uh, 
downgrades his potential. But if there is a game where maybe somebody's out and they move him up in the lineup uh, in the order, which they do at times, uh, I, I he's not a guy to look past because you're going to get him dead cheap, and he could uh, he's a he's a guy that could go uh, homer steal in a game. He has that kind of potential. Um, but that's really it. I, you know, I, I like that lineup. I don't think there's a ton of holes in it. I think that you got to respect a lot of people in it. And let's face it, they're going to have to be better than 11th in batting average and 11th in homers if they're going to make up for the downgrade that they have in pitching. Uh, you know, but it's possible. I mean, you know, it's uh, these guys are young enough and all most of those guys in the top four in the batting order, all of them are, and, and number six as well, is is uh, guys that are just entering their prime. So uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about the sticks? Do they have enough to get it done? Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think that they, yeah, they do have a, a complete lineup, a lot of lot of power, you know, definitely a lot of pop. A um, little worried about, you know, Cano in terms of him being on the downside of his career. Um, but they, with these other guys like Alonzo and McNeil, you know, they're, yeah, I mean that they, they are definitely up and coming, uh, stars that are only going to get better. So I, I think that they, they definitely have a good outlook. Yeah. I, I really like this lineup. Uh, they're very, they're all very young. We already touched upon Alonzo and, and, and that whole thing. Um, Nemo, I, I like Nemo. He's been an, yeah. a very good on-base guy his whole career. I know he struggled with a little minor injuries last year, and he wasn't playing as much. But him in an everyday role, he's a guy I'm going to target. Uh, the, um, like I mentioned, he I think his career OBP is almost 390. This yeah. guy gets on base a lot. I, I do like his power speed potential. He's a 2020 guy, in my opinion, um, or 2015 guy. He's, he's that, a that's great modern-day hit-off, lead-off yeah. hitter. You know? He's very consistent. Um, yeah, but Jeff Jeff McNeil guy came out of nowhere last year. He yep. was uh he was supposed to be the super utility guy because he can play every position, but catcher he probably could play catcher. <laughs> I don't know, yeah. but um yeah, and then he just wouldn't stop Busted hitting. And he kept hitting. Yeah. He, I think he he was Didn't top he hit five. For the cycle last year. Yeah, he was he finished uh fifth I believe in in batting average in the in the league, and this yes. guy just uh, instead of super utility he stamped his day every day or stamped his name in the lineup every day. Uh, even even this year he's gonna probably play different positions when everybody needs a rest, but this guy's not gonna miss a game. Uh, only a few handful. But then yeah. you mentioned Alonzo batting three gonna drive them in. Conforto I really like Conforto. This is a guy yeah. who was supposed to be the face of the franchise. Um, he's he's battled injuries a little bit, shoulder injuries, sapped his power a couple years. But he looks healthy, and I don't see any reason, if it's a full season, why he's not going to hit 30 home runs and drive in 90 RBIs. He's a really good player, a young player, and they he's very uh, they just really like him there. But he has all the hit tools. He has a strong arm. As long as his shoulders are healed up, I expect a really good year from him. Uh, J.D. Davis, oof, another guy I really like. High expectations, one of their top prospects. This guy can rake. Uh, last year, yeah. he didn't fully hit his potential, but I believe he batted over 300 um, in, in 140 games in a small he sample size. Yeah. yeah, and he had like a 370 OBP. And no this pressure can hit. being down in the six hole, you know, if yeah. that's where he is. Yeah. I, I, I think I can see him climbing to f- to the five hole, but we'll see. And, and then Robinson Cano, another old guy. I know me and uh, Patra the other day mentioned Ryan Braun is 
as a cheap target because of his he's old and he's just overlooked now. He's not going to be the same. He's not the same player, but you're not expecting that. Same with Robinson Cano. Uh, he's right. definitely not in his prime anymore. He's a lot older, but he's a guy I'll look at. I don't see him having the down down year that he had last year. I think he's going to bounce back a little bit. I think so uh, too. He's he, not a lot not a lot of pressure in that lineup, and he's just he's always been a guy who can hit. I'm not expecting. 30 home runs from him, but I could see 20. Uh, I, I just think he's he's going to be very nicely priced. And oh, an he's going to be dirt to cheap in DFS for yeah. sure. And that's, and then, that's what you got to like. And then uh, you mentioned Ramos, very good hitting catcher. And then Ahmed Rosario, you guys touched on him a little bit. But this guy was their former number one top prospect. Uh, yeah. Every year, the last three years, every year since he's hit the majors, he's improved. And not a lot of people can say that. Uh, last no. year he wasn't great, but he was pretty good. He jumped his batting average jumped all the way to almost 290. He had an OBP finally over 300. He's always been yep. a very good defensive player. He has he showed he had a little pop last year with his stolen bases. He could potentially go 2020. But if this guy improves again, um, he's he's, he's going to get 550 at bats. But here's my question though, and I'll ask this to both of you guys: Do you uh, almost ever roster a number eight hitter in the National League? Uh, it, it honestly depends on who they're going to play because this guy, he's, he's not a bad hitter. And like he, like I mentioned, he was their former number one top prospect just a couple years ago. Uh, And it, sometimes it takes shortstops and middle infielders a little longer to hit their peak. And if this guy's hitting his peak, um, we saw it last year with uh, Dawson on the Braves, he started getting a lot better, but um, it's just something that sometimes shortstop take a little longer. Like Marcus Simeon and other people like that takes a little bit longer. So I can see him jumping up to that seven hole, putting Ramos eight hole if he if he keeps hitting. Um, we'll see what happens. But he's a guy that he has he has some potential, and he's not going to cost you a lot, especially if you're looking for a shortstop. I like him, dude. But I, I'm telling you, when I'm making my cash lineup and I'm staring at this guy on my lineup – Batting eighth in the National League, I just I can't do it. Uh, I, what do you think, uh, Shane? I, I think that again, if the price is right and it allows you to fit in that elite pitcher you're targeting, or some big bats, or maybe you're targeting Coors, Coors Field or something like that. I mean, you, you, I mean, I think that you you got to take a little bit of risk. I know cash mentality, you try to be a little safer, but if he's yeah. talented, I don't think I would worry about it as much if the price is right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I just, I, I equate, it's baseball's just so bizarre compared to other DFS sports. It's like, okay, I may take, I may lose 25% of his at-bats because of where he's batting in the lineup on a given night. If you equate that to like basketball and say, okay, he's going to lose 25% of his minutes on the court when he could get those stats, it's like, okay, I'm not taking them. So I guess it's just all in the perspective of of how that sits, uh, and and everybody's a little bit different there. But again, you know, if you he's going to be the kind of guy I guarantee you that you're going to see certain nights where he's decently owned, not chalk, but he'll be decently owned because he's gonna he's gonna shine in some of the optimizers because of the stats and the on base percentage that seems to continue to be improving but you know that is going to be a variable that okay i get that but am i willing to take the dive to to put a guy that low on the lineup when he may he may end up with three at bats and maybe intentionally walked once you know so it just it's 
something to think about, you know? Yeah. One thing that might come, uh, I don't know if it'll come this year, but it's building up momentum, is a universal DH. I know you don't like that eighth spot in the National League, but right. there is a lot of momentum building for the DH to be everywhere. And um, if, if he's batting They've been saying eight, that since 1970. But it, it is increasing now. And that'll bring up one last guy that um, fell through the cracks a little bit because of injuries and age. But Jonas Espedes, uh, this guy's still on the team. Yeah. I don't know what his role is going to be. I don't feel pinch comfortable hitter, with him. Pinch hitter. <laughs> but uh, if they ever do bring a universal DH, uh, this guy's definitely someone I'm looking at. I don't want him playing out in the outfield uh, 130 he games, and he, he doesn't really have American a spot either. League as a DH. What is he doing in the National League? That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. Well, what else? Anything with the Mets for you two guys other than that? I, one one thing I just wanted to bring up is we might be living in a world where very shortly we'll be looking at the spring training locations for these teams. So uh, these teams are both in Florida and you may be in a situation where you're looking at the parks, that uh, the park advantage, you know, uh, if they have a short, you know, a short porch in left field, for example, you might be targeting Pete Alonzo even more. So that's going to be interesting as we figure out when sports come back, where, where they're actually playing. Um, there's probably not going to be fans. And is there certain advantages in uh, the stadiums uh, in terms of home runs and that type of thing? So that I think that I just think that's very interesting. I That's a great point. And I can tell you, not just in baseball, but in every sport. This is going to be the most challenging DFS time since DFS started six years ago or whenever, somewhere in there where it started, because all of those intangibles that were just a given, the ballpark advantage, you know, the home crowd, the whole aspect, you know, travel two and three days. I mean, I could go on and on with like probably 25% of the criteria I used to build my lineups in all sports is out the window if they're going to play in neutral sites without crowds. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it's going to take us, you know, and we're all sitting here just waiting, waiting, waiting to hear what's going to happen. But, you know, I know I'm doing a lot of preparation and I would recommend this for all of our uh, coach talk listeners is, you know, let's prepare for, uh, the initial thought of neutral sites with no fans. Cause I think that as of right now is the most likely scenario and f- start factoring into that when you're building these lineups. And I'll tell you what, for the Mets, I think it hurts the Mets more. Uh, number one, it, uh, it doesn't in the fact that the, the Mets ballpark is more of a pitching park than a hitting park. But I can tell you, a young team, and this is the kind of stuff that nobody thinks about or talks about, but I'm telling you it's real. The Mets are a young, fired-up team. You watch Nimmo, McNeil, Alonzo, Conforto, those guys. They are the early 20s, mid-20s kind of guys into the crowd. They rip each other's shirt off after they win games. The crowd's going crazy. There's so much momentum there. And guys like that, when you take them into a dead silent field without that adrenaline, it's a big blow. As opposed to some teams, and I'll just throw one out there because, again, I've been looking at these things, that I think that it will affect less is somebody like the Reds. You've got – they don't have very big crowds. They're not real boisterous fans. 
Votto and these guys are experienced. They played a lot. They're professional hitters. They they could hit, you know, with no fans or 60,000 fans and not be that much of a difference, where I think it's completely different with the Mets. So there are these factors now, and we're going to do that exclusively here at Coach Talk, and I don't know how they're going to program their optimizers to do that in other places, but there's a factor there of all of that. And we need to know where their main ballpark's going to be, the dimensions of those parks, and then we're going to dig down if it's just Arizona or Arizona and Florida and look at the spring training statistics in those stadiums, find out if it's better for righties, lefties, pitchers park, et cetera. That is going to make you thousands of dollars in DFS to get the jump. And we're going to do that here at Coach Talk for you in all the sports because, again, that's a major effect in basketball and baseball, and then football is a whole different dynamic. So wanted to mention that. I'm glad you brought that up, Shane. I I definitely agree with you. I think that's going to be a huge advantage looking at those things. And I'll tell you, another team that might might be happy with no fans – Oh, the yeah. oh they, well, they will. Yeah. Can you imagine when they go into other teams parks this year, if it was a regular year, they'd be yeah. booed, million signs, cheating. Yeah. It'd just be, it'd be terrible. They're loving so they're, it. How lucky are they? And they're a veteran crew too. So they're dangerous. Yeah. They're dangerous. What do you think, Santino? Do you see all of that stuff being a big impact as well? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, without park factors, that's a big that's a big thing you look for in in DFS, or especially for baseball. Uh, if nobody's if everybody's going to be at a mutual park, um, I mean, Rockies hitters at, come to mind at the first oh, instance. No uh, I'm not, you're not going to always want to stack them. They're much better at home. How about Rockies uh, pitchers? They're going to throw up a party like you've never seen if they don't have to pitch there half the some, season. They're going to have a few guys, too, uh, and, and like Yankee Stadium, Miller Park. Yeah. I know I touched upon it when we were doing the Brewers podcast, but yeah, park factor is huge. And huge. If, if that's not part of the equation, um, you're going to have to go back to the, the numbers and, and look a lot of different things up, but it, it's going to change a lot. Well, we're going to be on top of it. We're going to be out in front of it, and we're the place you want to come to hear it. So. Spread the word uh, with with folks to, to jump in. We you know send us your ideas and thoughts. You know we're throwing you know we're in a new world. None, none of us have ever experienced this. None of us have had to come out of a pandemic in sports and try to determine DFS statistics in a whole situation that's never existed before. So these type of discussions, these digging down layers, pulling the layers back to figure out what the impact is going to be. It's going to take a lot of people half the season really to get there. We want to be there in day one. And that's why we're doing these kind of shows, having these discussions and we're going to get there. So it's exciting stuff, man, but we better wrap this up because we have gone very long, Uh, but it's been fantastic. Shane, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on your SIM victories and we don't want you running around town with the DFS Coach Talk hat, uh, hoodie, and T-shirt, and then your boxers. So please win this third competition so you can get those uh, sweatpants and have the whole outfit. Yeah, thank thank you. I'm, I'm fired up this week. Uh, NFL draft is coming up. I love that. And also 
the uh, Bulls Last Dance documentary. Loving that. So a lot of exciting things uh, going on. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Thank you. Santino? Yeah, look, as, as usual, I had fun. Uh, we got to break down some baseball. I'm excited for the NFL draft, too. Uh, I'm a Dolphin fan, so we'll see how I feel after the draft. I, there's uh, a lot of smoke screen going out I there. I think you got to take Tua, don't you? I got a trade for you. Uh, if, Tua's, if Tua's not taken, I'm going to be really upset. I think he's the most talented player in this draft, and I, I don't do think too. it's close. I don't either. I guess. Yeah. Sorry, I like Joe Burrow, but talent-wise, it's I don't believe it's close. Hands down. What's I your think- trade there, Mr. Lyons? Well, I'll I'll trade. Uh, give me your. Uh, I think it's the 28th pick. I'll take your other uh, first round pick, um, so you can move up to three to make sure you get Tua. And uh, so. I don't I don't see the Chargers or the Jaguars yeah. doing that. I'll stay yeah. up. I don't think Tua's going before five. So yeah, I think Tua would be like he's like a a mixture between Drew Brees and Russell Wilson. So yeah, I think he's going to be awesome. Ooh. I just think um, this the injury is the only thing that's preventing him from being the number one pick but if i'm gonna if i'm the dolphins i'm swinging for the fences i mean you could have have to lose yeah they haven't had a franchise quarterback since marino left Tannehill's probably been their best quarterback and he wasn't he was just average there i mean take a chance please for for our fans you know santino i gotta uh tell you the story i was at school uh, playing Division two basketball, Gannon, and we went to a lot of parties down at Pitt, and I partied and drank and played beer pong with Dan Marino in college. How cool is that? Wow, that's awesome. that's awesome. But, <laughs> that's awesome. And but Tony Dorsett, no, he, Tony Dorsett. Okay, there's a guy that came from zero pennies in his life. His family had nothing. He's driving around in a brand new convertible with all this bling on, and this is. He's in college football. And now you, you tell me there's not cheating going on. <laughs> it was hilarious. But yeah, Marino was a cool guy, man. He was he was a partier, though. I'm surprised he I was worried about when he went to, the, you know, because his his uh, rep was that of, you know, not taking things as seriously and being a real partier. So whatever switch Shula clicked in Miami, man, it it he got it going. Mm hmm. And uh, before we leave, uh, Coach, I got I got a, a message for all the people uh, trying to take me down in the DFS challenge tonight. Yep. So I gotta I gotta at least uh, let them know. I said the Kings in the building. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful, man. I know JP and Lanny and Brent and these guys. Oh man, they're gunning for you now. Now oh, now yeah. you got the you got the accompanying music. For, uh, <laughs> talking so yeah. it may be a hard fall you know Humpy oh yeah fell off that wall and, and his crown went rolling so yeah, yeah. It, it's probably good to see someone else win uh but that's okay i'm, I'm gonna keep coming at him <laughs> i yeah. love it yeah, that's awesome awesome stuff um fantastic guys well let's let's wrap it up and get out of here uh really appreciate everybody listening again great to have you on shane and uh santino awesome as always So we thank you for joining us for this episode of DFS Coach Talk. For my fellow NBA pros up and down the the DFS Coach Talk team, I am Coach. We will catch you again tomorrow as we look to prepare to crush it in DFS.